If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is The Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneur. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast at www.odogwu.com. This episode is also brought to you by the Cryo Marketing Group. If you want to learn how to grow your cryotherapy business, land more clients and make more profits, visit www.cryomarketing.com or email me at info at odogwu.com. Thanks for listening. And without further ado, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I have a great guest on the line today. I'm talking to Benny Pariha. Benny is the co-founder and managing partner of Cryoscience and Cryo Holdings. It's the leading cryotherapy company based out of the Middle East that is now taking over the beauty and wellness industry around the world. They created a unique business that serves all aspects of the cryotherapy niche and value chain, from whole body cryotherapy machines to providing gases for industrial use and everything in between. They're currently transforming the value chain in the cryotherapy space. So I'm pleased to have Benny on the show today to tell us a little bit about his business, his business adventures in cryotherapy, and why cryotherapy is an essential wellness treatment for the budding or the enthusiastic sports lover. So with that said, Benny, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Chi. Pleasure to be here and uh, looking forward to uh, our chat uh, discussing the industry. And then I, I know you're, you're already well-versed and you have great writings about uh, your experiences with cryotherapy. So looking forward to it. Great. So, Benny, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. How did you get to where you are today? Um, well, so I'm born and raised in Dubai. Uh, my family has been here uh, since the early 70s, mostly from uh, India. But uh, I studied here and uh, then went away to university, um, University of Southern California, and, um, you know, after a few years of being in the U.S., I started exploring what professional sort of career and direction I wanted to take. Um, always was very interested in health sciences, wellness, and that whole space. Um, so tried a few ventures, always had an entrepreneurial itch, always wanted to start my own business and uh, come from a background of uh, entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, from grandparents to parents have all been in that space and uh, came back to Dubai and uh, started looking for opportunities in this space. And um, very, very different at one point was looking to find what I wanted to sink my teeth into. And uh, that's when I met my business partner and he uh, he exposed me to what cryotherapy was, and uh, and that's what started the whole thing. Oh, okay, so you came back to Dubai, you met your business partner, and then you guys got started. Now I know from our prior discussion that uh, when you first started out, you had a bunch of challenges in getting the business up and running, and also getting the equipment to 
a very good state. So tell us a little bit more about that, you know, the early stage development of cryoscience or cryo.com what what were some of the challenges you guys faced and what were some of the problems that you guys overcame before the business now became an actual viable business so i'll start right at the beginning um when when i first heard about cryotherapy um, you know i knew very little uh, and at that time in 2013 um, we started looking for uh, who it was that was, from a provider perspective, was offering cryotherapy. And uh, it was just starting off. The majority of retail outlets for cryotherapy providers were uh, in the U.S. at that time. I think if I remember from the top of my head, there must be about 40 pro- companies uh, or physiotherapists or hospitals providing cryotherapy. And um, we looked at the model from a perspective of, you know, that there was no one in the market really uh, commercializing the treatment and offering it to the general public. Um, if you go back to the science of it, um, you know, in the early 70s, um, a Japanese scientist uh, was kind of invented it for mainly pain management and uh, reduction of inflammation on rheumatoid arthritis. So very, very scientific treatment. Um, but then what our challenge started becoming was how do we turn it into a commercialized uh, treatment which can be accessible by the general public. And um, so to go right at the start, we, we, we took a lot of time to analyze the market, analyze the treatment, try finding the right equipment. And um, we were, you know, strategically thinking about where we want to start this retail center and this retail concept. Now, obviously, with my uh, my roots here in Dubai and Dubai becoming quite a cosmopolitan city, um, and obviously there was no cryotherapy here, so we definitely thought about it from a first-to-market um, advantage perspective and. Uh, before you knew it, I think from the point that we had the idea to opening the first retail outlet, it must have been about three months. Um, the challenge, the biggest challenge for us was educational marketing and you know getting the market to understand what cryotherapy was. And we did it in a very structural and very, uh, method- uh, with a lot of sort of thinking behind it from a perspective of, you know, we didn't want to market our business, but we wanted to educate the market and the people on what cryotherapy was and what the benefits were. Um, so that took a long time, but at the same time, um, you know, it kind of strengthened our, our roots and not of being able to create a category. And that was our biggest challenge. Um, so that's uh, how the first retail outlet opened up here in Dubai. And, uh, then that's where the journey began. Mm. Now you said a lot of things there, so let's let's just break it down because I'm sure people are are curious to understand exactly what you mean by educating the market. Because when you think of Dubai, you think of okay, somewhere a country in the Middle East known for you know big beautiful buildings, lots of tourist attractions. They've moved away from oil. There's so many things to do, but Dubai is not a place that is known to let's say have a a winter weather, so to speak, you know. So if the people living in Dubai are living in a, a hot environment and it's not always cold, then bringing something that, okay, you say, okay, 
let me go freeze my body at negative 200 degrees for three minutes you know that's that's going to be a big dissonance in a lot of people's minds you understand so when you talk about education being the being the biggest challenge how did you start how did you guys start convincing people to say okay let me go freeze myself in a box for for three minutes and then how how will that make my body feel because I know that's going to be the biggest well, challenge for a lot of people. Good question. So um, I, I think the first hook that I got uh, baited on was freezing at minus 140 degrees Celsius in the desert uh, in, in where the summers get up to 50 degrees Celsius. So just that correlation of being able to have access to such freezing temperatures already thought from a behavioral perspective uh, that, you know, it was quite a good marketing brand line right there. Uh, But from a perspective of why Dubai and why we chose it is, um, you know, Dubai has a very rich services and hospitality culture. A lot of five-star hotels, we have a lot of expats, we have, um, you know, it's kind of become uh, quite a destination for not just tourism, but even for medical tourism. And uh, when we thought about it from a perspective of education, um, you know, majority of what you see right now, the market being is, you know, just say, let's buy a machine and let's start a cryotherapy business. We thought about it in a different way and we went, we kind of reversed it from a perspective of saying, look, we're in this for the long haul. We want to create it into a retail uh, scalable business. So actually, one of the first things we did was invest into a very, very strong PR company um, and PR companies which were representing hospitals and uh, Cleveland Clinic and things like that and started saying that, look, we do not want press saying that, oh, cryo health now opening in Dubai. We want PR for the treatment itself. And what we would do is prior to opening, while the construction was going on for about three months, we started flooding the press uh, with articles saying that these are the benefits, recovery, pain management, wellness are things that you know you can experience from uh, using cryotherapy more regularly. And uh, that's actually what a lot of the PR was generated around. And what that allowed was it allowed us to be a little bit more validated and believable rather than saying that, hey, you know, now we have uh, a machine that freezes you and please come to the business. The first three months were purely uh, educational. And actually what we realized is that because it's such an alien treatment, until you don't try it or don't see it, if I told you that, hey, go into a chamber at minus 140 degrees Celsius, you would have a lot of uh, confusion and you know until you don't get in there or see video content or share someone's experience who's gone through it it'll be very difficult to communicate that so educational market in the form of PR was very very important and that of course is exponentially more important when it's in a market which it doesn't exist if that answers your question yeah no it it does answer my question so you guys did that for three months. You know, people started getting the concept and then they started trying the concept. Now, I know that you said part of the initial stages of building the business when it when you guys launched, you were selling to 
high-level people in government, so people in all the different ministries, all the different units, some uh, some members of the royal family, and then um, and then what happened? What what made you guys change? I I know the story, but I want you to break out the story because you guys were selling your initial oh. equipment, and then you had to change strategy a little bit. Sure. So actually. This was something that we didn't really anticipate. We were purely thinking about it from a retail offering and, you know, growing the business through opening more retail centers. But very early on, and especially because we chose a very strategic place for our first location, which was uh, underneath uh, in a building here in Dubai called Emirates Towers. It's under the prime minister's office. A lot of affluent people coming in. And obviously... You know, our branding and our messaging was great. People loved the treatment. But the second question they would ask is, hey, can I get one of these machines at home? And although the, you know, according to what we were forecasting and the number of treatments we needed to do per month was not at the level that we were hoping it would be, because that was the challenge of educating the market, getting enough people through the doors. But actually what accelerated the growth of the business was the sales of equipment. Mm -hmm. And at this point, we were the distributors of the brand of the machinery that we were using in our center. Um, and people would say, hey, you know what? I would love to have this treatment at home. And, you know, at that time, obviously, there was, you know, very meager press, but the press nevertheless from you know, motivational speakers, uh, a lot of fans of Tony Robbins in the region, I mean, globally everywhere. And, you know, he had already endorsed it and said how it was part of his daily routine. Yeah. And uh, before you knew it, uh, in a few months, we had quite a lot of machinery in the, not just in the in UAE, but actually regionally. And um, that actually put another light bulb on in our minds, which comes to our next business of cryo services, which I can get into. Yeah, sure. Um, so that's actually a kind of a, a story on its own is about, I think we launched the location in June 2013. And in around September, we had already sold quite a few units. The center itself was doing all right. It was growing in terms of conductions, but the machines that we were selling, but we were, are, we were, we realized one of the biggest consumables of our business that we were spending money on was liquid nitrogen. And we realized that every single time that we were selling a machine, we were giving that, uh, that consumption point and that liquid nitrogen sale to a third party. Now, during that process, uh, you know, we started looking for, you know, starting developing the idea of how can we start servicing our own equipment, our own clinics, uh, and get into that sort of uh, vertical offering. And we came across uh, two gentlemen who, were, who had an idea of developing a micro bulk gas distribution business. And Actually, what they wanted to do was they said, look, if, if you guys allow us to service your clinics and your equipment, um, the volume levels of liquid nitrogen are good enough for us to reach operational break even. So the gas, they had an idea. We gave them uh, business. And before you know it, cryo services was born. Mm 
And Cryo Services is a gas distributor, not a manufacturer, but pretty much a packager and seller, um, which was a business that started off only servicing uh, cryotherapy and our units, but in its own right now has grown into servicing a lot of different industries. So to give you a few, we're into water bottling, anywhere where there's a small amount of liquid nitrogen, oxygen, carbon dioxide required with specialty training. So what our USP really was that the teams came from, uh, we had the two main partners and the CEO of that business came from a lot of deep wealth of knowledge from uh, companies like Linday, BOC, Air Products. And what they bought were those practices which were being done in Europe, which were not being done here in the Middle East. And uh, that's actually what the main uh, differentiation factor between this gas company and the local gas companies at that time were. And uh, cryotherapy was pretty much a launch pad for them, but uh, it's grown into a business of its own where now cryotherapy is only 20% of their gas sales. Okay, great. So now you just mentioned something really important there. So cryotherapy kind of was a launch pad for this new business called cryoservices. So I'm pretty sure that in as much as you guys were distributing the gases, there must have been pre-existing competitors in that industry, correct? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So you mentioned your USP. Now, what I wanted to know is like when the business got started and then you had like already pre-existing dominant competitors in the industry. What were some of the strategies that you guys used to actually carve out a bigger, bigger market share for yourself? Because if something starts out as hundred percent of your business and now becomes just 20% of the business, it stands to reason that you guys did do a very heavy push to the point where you've now expanded into different categories and different regions. So you're not playing in your original niche anymore. You've, you've taken away market share and you've taken away business from pre-existing competitors. So what were some of the, the, the strategic or the tactical actions you guys took to start, you know, growing and spreading the business like you did? So, you know, that's that's a good question. And to be completely honest, we did not really do any tactical moves. Our tactical move was not to piss off the bigger players because at the end of the day, we were buying gas from larger gas companies and then servicing our, our cryotherapy business. Uh, and we did not want to go to uh, existing gas company clients and say, hey, please use us as a gas provider. What we really did was we offered specialty service where we said that our technicians and our engineers would learn everything it is about your device, whether it be a blood bank freezer, whether it be a hospital CO2 ICU bed, whether it be a hyperbaric chamber, we would not be the guys who would come and deliver a tank and just plug it into the machinery. We would really study that equipment and we would say that you know, we're not just your gas supplier. We are your cryogenic ex equipment um, servicer nearly. And, uh, you know, we started saying that, you know, we don't want to go out and start uh, stealing people's clients or mm -hmm. taking market share from existing businesses. But 
start thinking about the new infrastructure, which is, and, you know, lucky for us that Dubai is such a fast-growing place that there's hospitals, uh, hotels, clinics opening uh, pretty much faster than probably anywhere in the world. So, and, and then the word got around that, hey, there's a gas company that specializes in micro-bulk gas distribution for the food and beverage, for the construction, for the healthcare uh, spaces. And by all means, we're not the company that comes in and sells you 50,000 tons per per day. We we call micro-bulk anywhere less than two tons per day per client. So um, very specialist uh, applications is where we focused where the gap in the market was. And that actually turned out to be quite fruitful for us in the long run. Yeah, I'm 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 glad you said something there, which was um basically focusing on a gap in the market and then fitting into that gap and then just dominating and taking ownership of that. So that, that that's that's a very good thing that I want people listening there to understand that whenever you're trying to get into a new business or expand your business, there's always a gap in the market that the people already in the industry or in the space are not filling. And if you start from there and start to spread out, the chances of you doing better and also coexisting with your competitors is much greater than you trying to make it a zero-sum game. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it, it did happen. We did have challenges. We did have uh, periods where you know we were scared to be cut off. But what see, the, the trick of the game here is not for them to feel that you're a competitor, mm-hmm. but more so an enabler and a facilitator for them to increase the volumes of their sales and do what they do better, which was manufacturing gases and leave the business of distribution to a third party. And actually that's how majority of the uh, countries in Europe and the US work where the manufacturer is not really going to the last mile of gas delivery mm-hmm. uh, he has uh, distributors so that's kind of the model that we did and um, you know the that business on its own is uh, it's a very different business than our cryotherapy business yeah. but that actually was the biggest learning and you know I'll I'll veer off into the next tangent is coming back to cryo and cryotherapy um, you know the treatment centers were uh, started doing pretty well. Uh, it picked up. People started, uh, you know, seeing other consumers do it. Social media took off. The right people came in through the doors. We obviously, uh, we invested. We knew that marketing and PR is such an important part of this business. And we, we were spending a good amount of money on that sort of aspect. And before you know it, a second center opened up, which was a corporate owned store. Um, we, you know, we started getting a lot of good data, understanding where the customers coming from, where the inquiries are coming from, and opened a second retail center. Started getting a lot of franchise inquiries. Opened a third center, and that's when you know we started seeing that it was a quite strong business. And in order to be able to scale it, we needed to fuel the fire with funding, and that's actually where we had our first round of funding, and then thought about it from a more foundation point to taking a little bit more global. You mentioned two things there. So, um, the first one was, so up until this point, you guys were funding the business with your personal funds and also cash flow generated from the sale of equipment and um, 
just general cash flow from the business, correct? Correct, correct, correct. Okay. This funding round that you guys raised, um, I, I know that looking on the surface, you you were doing well. The business was expanding. There is a market there, especially in the Middle East, so people could see that. But in your pitch to were these uh, private equity or VC investors or just um, private investors like friends and family or uh to be completely honest it was we were not looking for funding um overall the way that the business was positioned the pr that we were receiving um you know by this point the gas company was already set up so two verticals had already been set up uh, although the revenues were not as large as uh, you know we would have possibly wanted but you know overall because of uh, kind of having this our tentacles into various businesses, it started looking quite large. And uh, we were actually quite lucky that, you know, we, someone came to us and said, hey, we love what you're doing and how can we be involved? And that's actually where, you know, we found our first investor and strategic partner who really, really helped us. And, um, and then we really started thinking about, okay, how do we grow this business from just a regional retail cryotherapy business to start thinking about if we want to scale this globally, have more retail centers, maybe even franchise it is going to be needed. So a lot of investment was put really into IP, um, a lot of brand messaging. Uh, We bought cryo.com, which in retrospect was probably one of the best investments we made. Yeah. we, you know, we started developing the team in such a way of saying that, you know, because we know that educational marketing and lead generation and uh, is so important, why don't we bring this in-house? Because what we started seeing is rather than using agencies and using, uh, uh, you know, auxiliary external partners, because cryotherapy is so new, um, you know, there was, by the time you teach your agency what it is, what the benefits are, two or three months have gone by. And yeah. uh, let's just say we, we realized that who would know the product and the treatment better than anyone, possibly, you know, the team that, you know, our core team. And so we kind of brought all these functions in-house. So we brought marketing in-house. Um, and... And then we, we were actually receiving a lot of franchise inquiries. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to paint uh, a, a beautiful picture for you. Obviously, we've made mistakes through, yeah. the, through the journey. And, you know, I mean, just to give you a few, uh, you know, when, when you first get funding and, you know, you're, you, uh, you have a wish list of things that you want to do, uh, especially at the start of it, you know, you want to do everything. Yes. And um, and you don't want to say no to any idea, even if it has a little inclination of not being um, impactful to the business. So definitely made mistakes in terms of, uh, but trial and error. I think when we look back at those mistakes, we learned a lot. And, uh, you know, now it kind of made our, a playbook of what we should and what we should not do. Okay. Um, so that was, yeah. Okay. So I just, I just wanted to 
to just interject there for a little bit because I know you've talked about the Missy, but you did because um what I like to call on this show is uh it's called funding drunkness where you know you get the funding money in you have a lot of things on your wish list and your dream list to do and then you start spending money that's where the drunk part comes in and then by the time your eyes clear and you wake up from the hangover you're like oh i probably shouldn't have done that then you start to refocus so so what were the one or two biggest funding drunkness escapades that you guys experienced um well, developing uh, developing divisions within the business, which maybe were not needed, um, you know, because we saw that equipment sales was such a uh, great uh, revenue generator, great margin um, generator as well, that we said, let's develop a sales team just for, uh, you know, equipment sales and let's, uh, let's implement uh, Salesforce. Let's bring in, uh, you know, a CRM that takes captures all the data. But wow. realistically speaking, it, it wasn't. Uh, there weren't that many people regionally. First of all, looking for cryotherapy devices. This is I'm talking about. You know, two years into the business, so yeah. possibly everyone we could have possibly who could have afforded one for their home or uh, we had already sold to. So that was definitely something that. Uh, but the learning there on the flip side from, you know, the funding drunkness came that as we're opening more of these locations, as we're getting franchise requests, as we're selling more of this, what we were, were we were agents for other people, other, other brand, other companies, yeah. branded equipment. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, that's actually where our third light bulb went off. And, you know, I'd rewind a little bit, and actually, when we first received, or when we first, you know, uh, had a touch point with that first machine that we ever used, the first cryotherapy sauna, uh, the first thing, you know, I have a little bit of a technical background, and I looked at the machine, and I told my business partner Kai, I was like, I'm like, listen, I'm like, this machine, they're they're charging us with arm and a leg. I can tell you the manufacturing cost of this unit, not that. Uh, just from looking at the components of it, and he kind of veered me back to uh, back to reality at that time. And he's like, "Listen, listen, you're not reverse engineering this. You're not looking at this." He's like, "We're developing a retail business, maybe in the future." Now, so what we started doing is we started once we had all these franchise requests uh, from all these different countries. We said, "You know what? First, we need to develop a pretty strong franchise team." Uh, but what we need to start thinking about is if we franchise um, to other countries, what would the franchisee be, uh, what value and what purchase would they be making from us other than our know-how, right? We were yeah. always selling them a third-party equipment. Um, so, you know, we started looking at a lot of franchise models, started looking at what are the different uh what are the different services and products that we can leverage into the franchisee's purchase? And obviously, the equipment was at the center point of all of this. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's actually where you know the the seed for manufacturing of our own devices came into. Um, and not just because of our retail business, but our gas business, because we were delivering the liquid nitrogen to our devices because we had 
we, you know, we were selling all different types of equipment. We understood what the efficiency levels uh, were, how to reduce your cost per session. We understood that we, at this point, we were doing more cryotherapy sessions than possibly anyone in the world. So mm. that came with a lot of that came with a lot of commercial knowledge, right? We yeah. knew that hey, if we if we if we set up and we do our scheduling at our centers in a certain way, our cost for liquid nitrogen goes down by 15%. We knew what the consumer wanted in terms of, um, you know, kind of key metrics that they would have liked. So we had a wish list where we said, hey, wouldn't it be great if the machine told you uh, the client's heart rate? Uh, wouldn't it be great if it could be customizable? Wouldn't it be great if there was gamification in there? So the gas company and the retail business were really gave us such great data into going into the next vertical of manufacturing. Yeah, and I really love how like each step brought you so much learning, so much data that you were able to leverage up into the next step. So basically, you start off as a retail space and then you go into the gas space and then now you realize that, okay, people are coming and asking for this they want to do franchising deals with us. The only thing we have right now is just our know-how and our expertise. If we want to make this a formidable business across the world, we need to actually own the entire value chain. So we're talking about know-how and we're also talking about equipment. So that led you to doing some R&D and research and creating your own added, um, what I call it, added or value-added uh, machines where you could do way way more than every other equipment out there on the market. So you carved out a niche within a niche for yourself. So, exactly. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, the, what the, real, the real trigger was. As we were growing uh, and when we started, you know, looking at the possibility of this business, uh, what we realized very, very quickly was that what was going to be detrimental was, see, let's go back into the science of how this equipment works. Yeah. Um, you're, you know, you're, you're pretty much trying to get to certain temperatures, which, which pretty much allow physiological reactions within the body. So usually, um, you know, from the research that's out there, anywhere between minus 110 to minus 160 degrees Celsius for anywhere between a range of two to three minutes being temperature causes a physiological reaction. Your metabolism increases, yeah. your inflammation goes down. Not like an ice pack or a plunge pool, but from a more technologically advanced perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so the main raw ingredient here is liquid nitrogen. And traditionally, um, saunas, the one that you usually see in, you know, the mainstream media where someone's head's popping out yeah. and, you know, they're over this cloud of vapor, that's called a direct liquid nitrogen injection system. So it's pretty much, these machines are linked to, are connected to a liquid nitrogen tank. The liquid nitrogen tank goes through pipes, it vaporizes into air, into uh, um, pretty much a gaseous format of nitrogen, and that's what the client is exposed to. So when we had a gas company, actually, the first one of the first meetings that we had with our now partners from the gas company, they're like, they're like, look, 
this is fine. But the majority of major gas companies around the world, I'm talking about, you know, your air products, Linde, uh, BOC, these guys are not delivering gas to the system. And we're like, why? They're like, they're like, look, there's a red flag because there's huge amount of risk where, you know, uh, at the end of the day, if someone ducks down and breathes that nitrogen, uh, that, you know, highly concentrated nitrogen, they, they, there's a chance for them to be asphyxiated yeah. and, and, you know, pass out and even die. Um, and we already, we knew those dangers and we said, you know what, everyone in the industry is going on this way. Um, you know, we need to train our operators to make sure that the client does not do anything which uh, puts them in danger. But at the end of the day, you know, risk mitigation is something we can only do so much from processes, right? Uh, at the end of the day, if we can make the technology uh, safe, uh, you know, it, it lets our investors, it lets our franchisees, it lets the clients uh, be more at ease about the treatment. Yeah. And, you know, at this point, uh, you know, we had this at the back of our mind, but, and then as the business was growing, more machinery was going out, we all, and that sort of thing started building up. And we were like, you know what, we need to make a, or we need to invest into better theory and system. Now, that being said, um, there were devices out there, which so here I'd like to make the differentiation between a sauna and chamber. Um, sauna is the one where your head pops out and you're into a liquid nitrogen injection unit. And the chambers are the larger units in which you see sports teams of three people going in at the same time. Yeah. Now, the larger units uh, are safe. You know, you can you can breathe in there. There's there are no dangers whatsoever um, from a asphyxiation perspective. And although those systems existed, the problem was that because they were larger units and people were not being able to use it commercially because every single time you want to do one session, it consumes a lot of liquid nitrogen. So from a commercial perspective, you switch it on, you know, hey, chi, pop into the machine, $75 worth of liquid nitrogen being consumed. Yeah. So us being commercial providers, we understood that, you know, that doesn't work. The sauna, the reason that the cryo sauna is selling uh, like crazy around the world is because it's a very simple and cheap device. You know, you invest $50,000 and you press start and stuff and you, you know, it really depends on how much what price you're paying for liquid nitrogen, but it's a very, very simple entrepreneurial business to start. Mm -hmm. And that's what we saw as, you know, why would someone, and the larger machines were not cheap. They were going anywhere between $120,000 to $250,000. Um, now, let me also say that liquid nitrogen and gas is not the only uh, uh, machinery out there. There was also electrical units out there. Um, but which were much more expensive, and yeah. they did not get to the lower the temperatures that uh, our research had uh, said that you needed to get to. So, and those electrical machines were expensive. They were out there, but not scaling the way the saunas were. So that's a little bit on you know the science of of uh, cryotherapy, and uh, yeah, that would then I can you know tell you a little bit more about. Uh, 
cryoscience, which became our third uh, pillar. Yeah. No, and I like how you dove deep into the science of it just because, especially since you were selling, selling to members of uh, the royal family, you didn't want to have any um, mishaps that would lead to the death of somebody in the royal family. And then that that just becomes very bad news for you and your partner. So it's good that you guys were able to start looking into the equipment itself, figuring out what will work, what wouldn't work, how cost-effective it would be from the pockets of the clients as well as from the usability's perspective and then start working on the machine that you have today so that you can have a well-rounded machine with enough safety features to ensure that um, no accidental uh, injuries would occur because of um, wrong usage. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but, you know, uh, me and you are making the whole process sound <laughs> quite simple. And, uh, but, you know, that's not how it uh, really played out. You know, we, we weren't thinking about developing our own manufacturing business at all. Yeah. You know, we, we already were, you know, we didn't want to uh, keep reinvesting into new verticals. We, you know, our shareholders were also uh, saying that, look, what is, so to tell, give you the, the story, how it worked was, you know, we identified some cryotherapy equipment manufacturers who had the larger units and you know we we had a design in mind we we had a consumption amount in mind and you know we went pretty much on a shopping trip if you want to call it and started these companies that hey look we're we're looking to develop this single person cryotherapy chamber uh, th these are the numbers that we want this is the consumption amount it should have these are the these are the kind of uh, the features we're looking for and this is our extensive christmas wish list <laughs> and a lot of them looked at us and you know they they were like okay yeah we can uh, come back and start uh, developing it so we we initially had only thought about you know kind of em or white labeling a certain device from another manufacturer but that's when we realized that no one was thinking about this business from this scale um and we did a lot of research. We we, we got outrageous quotes, um, and you know we, we we weighed all the options, and we made a uh, we made a strategic call on saying that you know what we I think we can do it better. Mm. Um, all the manufacturers out there. Um, we, I mean, at one point we even thought about acquiring uh, a smaller manufacturer, but you know that comes with the inheritance of their operational problems, their mm -hmm. management issues. We said, look, let's, uh, let's uh, put on our thinking hats a little bit and start writing the business plan for a new manufacturing company. Okay, so what was the reception like? And then the next question will probably be, um, when it comes to franchising, franchising is a whole different animal on its own because different countries have different rules of franchising. And then you're now expanded from the middle east you've entered turkey you're in lebanon and then you're working on your center in the united states so tell us a little bit about you know a what the reception was like and then b getting into franchising proper how you guys are thinking of taking it on okay so i'll tell you about the equipment and the cryoscience part so 
from the point that we decided that we wanted to do it, uh, September 2015 is when we incorporated the company and we put on a plan for research and development for about one year to work on coming to a productized version of two products, a whole body cryotherapy chamber, which was now called the Arctic chamber, and one localized cryotherapy device, which we call the penguin device. And those are the two only units that we wanted to you know, look into. And remember, the main want over here and the main thesis of why we wanted this product was to be able to have a better system for our retail and our eventual franchisees. Um, so, you know, the research and development plan, uh, I'm sure a lot of people would know that they never go according to timelines that you preset on them. Yeah. And this is a very scientific process, right? Uh, although maybe we got to our machinery, but then consumption, then we had, you know, because it hadn't been done before. We were taking the technology which was out there and then trying to compact it into a smaller device to be able to fit into the design that we had in mind. So it was a process, um, pretty long process. Uh, we launched it and we showcased it at uh, the London Rehabilitation Show at the O2 to kind of just get people's feedback, our partners' feedback. They loved the design, they loved the experience in there. But other than the experience, there was a lot of commercial things on how much the machine is eventually going to cost, what consumption amounts of liquid nitrogen is it going to have. So we were delayed about, I would say, six months. Um, started shipping out and funny enough uh, we started realizing that oh there is a market for people looking for this device because it wasn't the more expensive side of the stratosphere I would say that the saunas would be at the cheaper side and the larger chambers and the electrical machines at the higher side of about $150,000 so we were sitting kind of right in the middle of around $72,000-$75,000 MSRP um, so, but all of a sudden, uh, coupled with uh, the power of our domain and a great marketing team, we started advertising the unit, its uh, advantages. And the biggest advantage was not putting the client in harm's way yeah. and to put them in a breathable environment. And, you know, by this time, to just give you a timeline of how things had progressed, in 2013, there was 40 uh, cryotherapy providers worldwide. Now, only four and a half years later, there's 125 centers that provide cryotherapy. So, and from 40 was exponentially increasing. Mm -hmm. So the market for cryotherapy uh, was, uh, was booming. And that's when we started getting a lot of inquiries for equipment. And that's when we said, we're like, oh, this is a business of its own. And, you know, we need to think about not just servicing our retail and our franchise and our sales business. The whole world is from a perspective and they're looking for a better device. And, you know, I, I, we can pretty pretty uh, proudly say that, you know, right now, if you look at the ecosystem of, uh, manufacturers and equipment, I think we have the safest device, uh, one of the most uh, efficient devices from a operation liquid nitrogen consumption perspective, and then from a design perspective. So it, 
it just came a recipe and right now we're sold out till the end of the year uh, and now that, that comes with new challenges as well um, you know the manufacturing is based out of uh, Wroclaw and Poland um, now that business needs to be scaled uh, needs to be uh, grown into larger capacities of units increasing capacity so that's uh, that's that's a business that needs a lot of attention. And of course, it's very, very different from retail, very different from franchising, very different from the gas company. Maybe not that different from the gas company, but, you know, they're intertwined. Um, so, you know, it's a massive team. Um, you know, they have about 50 people over there between production engineers and research developers and software engineers. So very different sort of uh, that was a journey of its own, you know, but we have a great team. We have a great CEO over there who came with, a, you know, a lot of rich history of working on cryogenics, uh, building teams, building products, uh, getting the approvals. Um, you know, he, he's been, uh, he's at the center of uh, what we were trying to achieve. And, uh, you know, now that team never imagined that, uh, you know, the demand and the number of units that we would be asking for them uh, would be this high. So uh, that business is scaling quite a lot. So we're now looking at that place in Poland being uh, more of a research and development for future product pipelines. So mobile cryotherapy, uh, you know, animal and veterinary cryotherapy. Mm. So. You know, it, it gives, and our gas company gives us great ideas, right? Wherever we start selling a lot of gas and we start seeing that as metric on KPIs of, hey, you know what, uh, food and beverage industry and molecular gastronomy is on the up. Let's start thinking about developing uh, uh, developing a product. So, you know, it, it gives us, uh, all the businesses have great synergies. And at the end, what we see is at the core of our business is cryoscience because it's, pretty much the heart of uh, all the devices. So a lot of focus going towards that. And I guess my last question for the show would be, um, what's the future for cryoscience, cryo.com? I know you guys have done so much up until this point, but you're also in the process of doing even much more. You're expanding into the United States. Like I said, you're building out your manufacturing capabilities. So in the, what I call it, the next three to five years, what what do we have to look forward to seeing from you guys? Uh, well, quite a lot. Uh, we really think that um, we've, we're, we've built the foundation for a pretty uh, strong business for future growth. You know, the foundations of uh, the verticals are, you know, as this industry is growing, we're really at the center of it. And we've made strategic investments into, you know, wherever the industry goes, we're, we're there. Uh, what, we are, what we can expect over the next uh, three to five years, I think uh, growing the retail business and, having more people experience cryotherapy and its benefits is at the core uh, thesis of our business. We would like to grow the industry and grow uh, the space and have more people try it. Uh, how we do that is going to be through a, through a balance of uh, franchising and corporate-owned stores offering cryotherapy. Um, as the equipment over the next two to five years becomes more affordable, um, 
as it becomes more efficient, as it becomes more uh, cost-effective for the consumer, you'll see it uh, grow faster and faster. Uh, my business partner always says that, uh, you know, over the next, let's say, five to seven years, the same way you see a steam and a sauna in, you know, a hotel or every affluent person's home, you will see cryotherapy being right there. And we're already seeing that happen. Um, I think we're enabling entrepreneurs and uh, business owners to uh, integrate cryotherapy into their business, add a new revenue stream. Um, so that's the enabling factor, which we really, really love is, you know, we see stories like I write a monthly newsletter to our partners and, you know, we now we have distributors for cryoscience in about 15 countries. We have uh, franchises opening in Buenos Aires and uh, in Seoul. We just launched in Istanbul. We're opening in New York uh, in January. So the retail concept is growing. The distribution network is growing. And, uh, you know, our, our real responsibility is to grow it safely and to be able to educate the market on how great the treatment is. Great. And with that said, we've reached the end of the show. I really want to thank you, Benny, for uh, coming to share your words of wisdom and your business acumen, especially in this cryotherapy industry. So mm, personally, for me, I'm currently recording this in Lagos, Nigeria. So is there any um, plan to expand into Africa? Because I really would love to see you guys being the first ones here so that I can be the first person to try it, especially in my hometown. And then second, where can people reach you and learn more about you or get to know more about your business and maybe make some inquiries if they want to? So Nigeria is, uh, you know, when we look at the world map, we're seeing the ones, uh, you know, the countries which are growing. Nigeria is up there for us. We get a lot of uh, inquiries for franchising, a lot of inquiries for uh, equipment distribution as well. Um, but I think we're still waiting to find the right partner. But yeah. um, I'm pretty. But rest assured that uh, I would say in the next 12 to 24 months, you'll definitely be able to try cryotherapy in uh, in Lagos as well. And where you can find out about us is you can uh, check out cryo.com. Uh, our retail uh, business website. You can find the closest cryotherapy center to you. Uh, and cryoscience, our equipment is cryosc.com. Cryosurgery is cryosurgery.com. Uh, that's a little bit all on the business about me. Uh, I'm uh, I'm not a Twitter person just as yet, although I've been advised to be a little bit more active on Twitter. Um, but you can find me on Instagram. It's uh, Benny Parihar, B E N N Y P A R I H A R. And uh, I usually put a lot of updates on there on what's going on in our business and what's going on in life. Yeah. And you're also an avid photographer and videographer, correct? Hello. Yes, I do. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I love photography. Uh, I love photography. I love videography. I love uh, flying drones. And actually, the core of all of it is that we love traveling. And um, I'm usually the one who has extra baggage because I have my SLRs, my drones, and everything where I travel. And for me, uh, 
one of the things I love doing is video editing, photography, and that's kind of my uh, form of meditation. So you'll find me on weekends doing a lot of uh, video edit projects. So you can find a little bit of my work on uh, on my Instagram. Check it out. If you want to get to know more about Benny, check out his Instagram page. I'll link to everything we've talked about in the show notes. That's uh, cryo.com, cryoic, and I think cryoscience. So, Benny, my friend, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate you spending the one hour with us to tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Thank you so much, T. Good luck and, um, you know, uh, have a good, uh, good time in Lagos. Thank you. If you love this particular episode of the podcast, please re- leave a review on iTunes. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. If you want to learn more about cryotherapy business, visit www.cryo.com. And also, if you want to learn how to market your cryotherapy business that you're currently running in order to land more clients and increase your profitability, send me an email at info at odogwu.com. See you next time on the next episode of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. Bye.